Welcome to the New Zealand Business Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Hi, I'm Paul Spain and welcome along to this, the very first edition of the New Zealand Business Podcast. On each episode, we're going to be featuring content of interest to those involved in business and leadership within New Zealand. Now, for this uh, this episode, we're going to uh, we're going to join a recent uh, luncheon event uh, that was put on by the Sir Peter Blake Trust in conjunction with Telecom New Zealand and the Ice House. And we're hearing from uh, from some interesting business leaders: uh, Chris Quinn, uh, CEO Retail at Telecom New Zealand. Raymond Dobby, uh, Director of World Moving and Storage, Sashi Nomura, entrepreneur and founder of Sashi's Kitchen, and Todd Scott, who's a publisher of the National Business Review. Uh, so let's jump into uh, to this podcast. Uh, we're going to uh, start by joining uh, MC Hamish Carter, uh, of course, gold medal winning triathlete, and also uh, GM Corporate Partnerships at the Sir Peter Blake Trust. Hello and welcome. Uh, my name's Hamish Carter, and today I'd like to welcome you to this unique um, Leadership Week event. Uh, the event is aimed at stimulating some interesting discussion based around leadership with the lens on lifting business performance. Um, I'd also like to welcome our online audience, and um, we've got some technology in the room today where I'll be taking questions from the audience, but also from our um, online team. I think there's about 100 people viewing online. Today's event is part of Leadership Week and is a key initiative by the Sir Peter Blake Trust where we aim to celebrate what great leadership looks like in New Zealand. And this event is part of 300 this week. And I guess what Sir Peter Blake taught us all and was a gift to the nation was he showed us through his achievements what difference leadership can make. Ultimately this is what this event aims to do as well. Certainly like to thank today Telecom and the Ice House who made this event possible. And they obviously both recognise the importance of leadership and um, how this supports business performance. So to the panel, firstly I'd like to introduce Chris Quinn. Chris is the Chief Executive of Telecom's Retail Arm and is accountable for the performance of Telecom's consumer and SME market um, and delivering around half of Telecom's revenue and profit earnings. No pressure, Chris. <laughs> um, the team, retail team comprises of 2,400 people. Next we've got Raymond Dobby. Raymond is Director of World Moving and Storage, which is a local inner city and international furniture moving company. It employs around 60 staff and was a finalist in the 2012 Auckland West Business Awards. Next we have Sashi Nomura. Sashi is the founder of Sashi's Kitchen, an Asian cooking school whose aim is to bridge the gap between Kiwi and Asian culture through making cooking fun and easy. She has a new show launching on Prime from Friday next week at 9pm and has a cookbook coming out in May 2014. Finally, Todd Scott. Todd is, has an esteemed business career and is a publisher of the National Business Review. And in, what I also believe, Todd, is that you were a, a co-presenter with Hilary Timmings on Lotto at one stage. Yeah, congratulations to all tonight's winners. Our scrutineers will be checking those numbers and confirm results to be available later on TV2. I don't remember it. No. What I can tell you about Todd is that he runs um, 21 kilometres three times a week, which I think is an outstanding... Yeah, but this coming from Hamish Carter. <laughs> Finally, our objective today is to gain some insight into what great leadership looks like. And hopefully this will give you, the audience... 
a couple of key tips which will enable your own leadership development. So Chris, if I could start with you. Our first question today is, for you, what is the essence of great business leadership? And how can this drive better business outcomes? Uh, thank you, Hamish, and good afternoon, everyone. I think, um, firstly, leadership I would define as a set of behaviours, not a job or a title. And I think it's really important to remember, like, there are plenty of people in management positions who may or may not be leaders. I think leadership is a choice about a set of behaviours that you choose to use to go about what you do. Uh, and I think I've always thought about it in three main behaviours that you try and check yourself against constantly to say, am I making a difference as a leader? And they come down to just, firstly, am I connected? So am I genuinely connected to the people in my business, to the customers that are my opportunity or my privilege to serve, and to the stakeholders or the groups or the networks that I need to be part of uh, in order to represent this company best or this organisation best or this charity or whatever it is. Or, in fact, myself, you know, because leadership's a doesn't have to be management of a group of people. Leadership is a set of behaviours. I think the second thing I, I try and think about for leadership is clarity. Have I done my job as a leader by giving people clarity and all the complexity and all the change and all the speed that we live with? Have I dived through all of that and just given some sort of sense of clarity or sense of direction or at least an attempt to go, we're going north and that's what north looks like? Uh, and the last one is just a bias for action. You know, lead, leaders have to show organisations that you can take action, that you can stop thinking, stop considering, or in the case of large companies, stop making PowerPoint, uh, and actually make a decision and go and execute and do something. So I think, for me, I, I, I try and think about leadership as behaviours, and I look for behaviours under those headings in myself. You know, at the end of every day, try and say, did I do anything about any of those three things today? Because if I didn't, you know, then did I do any leading, or did I just turn up and take the time by? Yeah. Um, Raymond, what about yourself? Same question. Um, I've had to make notes because I'm, uh, one of my strengths is not public speaking, I'm sorry. So. But for, for me, I guess, it's, it's a constant learning and it's about being, being fully aware of what's happening now in our business and what's going to be happening in the future. Um, but always learning every day. I think leadership is definitely about learning and making sure that your people around you are learning too. So, so my style of, of leadership is probably more around setting direction and making the ultimate decisions, but definitely leadership for us is about, is about sharing leadership. It's not just one person, it's not just me. I don't have every skill. So in my business, we're essentially a service industry, so we've got people not under the same roof. We, we can't control every move. They're out and about doing their own thing every day. We have to make sure that we're giving them from our leadership the right tools we're giving them and, and giving them empowering them to have the right to use the tools at the right time and empowering them to make the right decisions out there that's that's what our leadership is about for them the um so how do we do that so our leadership style is built around is underpinned with values huge amount of values for us we've got four values that we've developed in our team and we've and we've delved them into an acronym called part and, and for us, it's about pride, attitude, respect, and trust. All of those things is where we... That's how we base all of our communication. We base, we base our learnings and our talks. Our, um, it's all up on the walls. Everything is based, ar- based around that. And it's been built together by our people because they have to own it. You can't just tell them it. So they, they built it with us. They own it. And... Um, 
and they feel a part of it and it, and it gives them great pride which is part of that part as well so um but i think good leadership is, is always not having all the, all the answers all the time i certainly i'm very aware of what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are and um and when you come up into a situation where you don't have the right answers having the self-confidence to ask someone else what what is the right answer here or using your team to get that right answer for you um, really important that self-awareness of what what you're good at and what you're not is quite strong i think communication for us is king and our and i can only say from our organization and everyone has has their different styles and different sizes but with us we share a heap of information with our people all of them all of our people know a lot more about our business probably than a lot of businesses do and through that they get ownership in our business and they get um they get a sense of pride and a sense of community and and um and for us at least that works um as a leader we are very visible and we're very approachable within the business we encourage an environment where people feel safe where they're learning a lot where they're um having fun we spend so much time at work nowadays and away from our families that we've got to have fun and we've got to take that pride from work home so we spend a lot of time working on that sort of thing so how do we measure that we in our organization organization as leaders we need to go out and ask questions we need we send out regular anonymous questionnaires we have one on ones we try and do them every 4 months and and we ask questions about what our people are thinking we're doing and it's anonymous so they can say anything they like that we ask them questions about our leadership style and we ask them questions around our values and we ask them questions there's about 18 or so there and we put that into a into a clever spreadsheet and it gives us a measure where we can look so we and it, and at the moment we're sitting at 92.3% acceptability but that's nice but it's not the cigar what's what we really look at is that 7.7% we were not good and it gives us the opportunity to work on some of those things where we need to work on and and sometimes it's around engagement so we can we can look for that engagement it's identifying those areas so so that for us is a really strong tool but i am um, yeah. i want to come back to measurement later on because i think that's a really key aspect of how we um you talked about culture of learning and um always driving to um improve sachi can i bring you in here and 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 think from a more of a, a smaller business perspective um f- for you what's that essence of of great leadership and driving business performance i made a note <laughs> slightly bigger than yours <laughs> thank you rick well for for me is i have four key things in my in my leadership philosophy first one is called um, I believe that no one understands what I said um, which is Japanese and which means that the children will grow up by looking at your back um, I guess that people will say that um, people will um, people lead by example mm. so what I mean by that is what well, children won't listen to what you said you know you, you say don't do that and they will do that anyway at least I did that to my parents And but what I did it was I was watching my parents back and learned how they behaved around the people so how they treat other people how they greeted people how they um appreciate how they how they show their appreciation to other people and so on and so on and I, I learned by watching them so what 
for me is leadership is let my staff to see what I do, how I do things, and then let them watch what I do rather than I telling them what I do or they should do something. Because yep. I think it's quite key to be a leader yep. by let them by example. And then it doesn't, to me, it's like it doesn't stay in a five to nine, no, nine to five job. That being a leader is carries on after the five o'clock. So I just try to be behave and let other people to see how I do okay. things. So that's a one thing. And um, caring other people is quite important too, to my opinions. Uh, so we care my staff quite a bit. So by do, um, how I do is we sit down and then um, we ask them on an interview or several occasions like um, four times a year, say what's your goal, what do you want to achieve in your life, not only in the job, what's important to you and um, they share with us say one of my two I see is um, the most important thing is the wife which is very good and so whenever we um, uh, give them a give them a um, acknowledgement of he's done a great job make sure I involved uh, his wife and um, it's a small thing but um he appreciate that and then another one is a Fallon she's an admin manager she's got a little boy she doesn't really you know she's her value is not the same as Ronan but when I do appreciate her work I say for example I give a um, new world gift voucher so that she, and she says oh thank you very much I, I bought a nuppies you know it's a different things but it's caring is quite important to be a leader um, when we care, they care about you, care about us, and yep. care about our business. That's how I think. Okay. Yeah. Todd, can I bring you in? Um, don't ask me the same question. No, I'm not going to ask you the same question. Because that's just cruel. <laughs> um, did you have any comments to make? Well, I suppose the most obvious one is um, is that leadership's obviously common sense. Because when you listen to what these guys say, it, you know, because I've got to be honest with you, I, I struggle, I'm, I'm delighted to be a part of this. I really, um, you know, this is a this is a full-on week and I'm involved in a few different parts of it. But I was a little bit awkward about being here in this capacity because I actually don't consider myself a leader. But, but I guess... Um, I, I guess that's not uncommon with leaders who who actually just they they do it from the front uh, and they look behind them. And fortunately, they've got a good team behind them. And it doesn't just happen; it happens because of common sense, you know, respect, looking after people, um, and 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 outside interests than you know than than the obvious goal. Um, for me, it's always been about concentrate on the mission and not the commission. What is it that you're trying to achieve? You know, clearly communicate that. Clearly have um, you know standards that are to be met. Um, and I know, I mean, with with Chris, one of the things that he's famous for is how he handled the whole XT. You know, it wasn't necessarily his remit, but he knew that somebody needed to stand up and be accountable, and he did, uh, to the point where he, he he gave out his cell phone number and he was happy to work with um, you know with customers at the at the grassroots. And you know, I I learned something from that. All customer service inquiries to MBR come directly to me. Uh, it's 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 not an insignificant yeah. um, troubleshooting mm. device. So, within that, um, we've had a question from um, Peter Miller on Twitter. Um, you're all um, highly achieving individuals, and we're talking about leadership today. Um, what's your view then on the tall poppy syndrome 
Is, is, is it a myth or is it a fact in New Zealand? I think it's a fact. It's a fact. Yeah. It's a so fact. why do you if say you, that? If you travel overseas, they celebrate people that succeed if, if, within businesses and out in public, especially in America. They're really good at celebrating. And New Zealand has a number of events where we celebrate success. And <clears throat> but it's growing and changing. So you, you look at Kia Awards where we find these amazing Kiwis that probably didn't know existed who have achieved things overseas. Uh, you, you have uh, Peter Blake Leadership Awards on Friday night and you find seven new stories that you may not have known otherwise. Uh, and there are others, business awards, all those sort of things. Um, <clears throat> but we do have, and it's a business problem in New Zealand, you know, we joke about the beach boat BMW sort of being success. Mm-hmm. Once you have those three things, you're done. Yet you see, you know, I don't know how many in New Zealand, 20, 30, whatever, who have gone all the way. Mm. You know, and we've got some fantastic still New Zealand-based but growth stories that are about creating a future for us. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've got a couple of guys following me today on the Shadow Leader Day, Peter Blake thing, and saying to them before, if we don't create the exciting companies that have high-value roles that, that lift us well beyond our potential to farm or to manufacture or to do those things, if we don't create all of those exciting companies, they'll go somewhere else. They'll go and live somewhere else in the world and contribute to someone else's country. And Whilst we are great at bringing them back at times, we need to get over this tall poppy thing like, you know, Todd would remark about when you publish the rich list, you know, in a lot of countries that would be a moment to celebrate and, you know, parents saying to children, well, you should work for those people because they've been successful. Yet in New Zealand we seem to do this, you know, that's nasty and and wrong. and um, And what do you do at Telecom that specifically aims to celebrate success? Well, I think um, it starts with, firstly, you've got to define what success is because I think our past has been full of the people who work the longest hours got the badges and the awards. You've got to be very careful about that as a leader because generally 90% of the people who work for you will look at the signs from you about what you say is good, what you rave about, what you write about and go, well, that's how I get on around here. So and this is tough, right, because as a leader every day you've got to think about this, which is you're seen by 60, 5, 10 or 1,000 people, depending, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but you're seen by everybody. It's an unfair equation because it's mm. many to one. Um, and every one of your behaviours gets noted and people learn what's good around here. And that's why I say leadership is a behaviour thing. So what you recognise is really important. So recognising people that stop customer things going wrong is far more important than recognising people who fix broken customer things. Yeah. Recognising people who got a great result or outcome rather than worked 100 hours is really important. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard because you don't, these things don't pop yeah. in your face. You've got to find them, you've got to be connected, you've got to know them, and you've got to, you've got to send messages through what you recognise. Yeah. I think that, that tall poppy thing, we've just got to keep going at recognising great stories like Saatchi's growth story or you know, small to medium businesses that are breaking through to the next level and yeah. stuff like that. Because that's going to be our future. And if we don't celebrate those... And celebrate success wherever way it's defined. So if it's wealth, great. If it's growth for the country, hiring another hundred experts, whatever it is, mm. doesn't matter. But we must celebrate that stuff and get used to it. But the so other thing with um, with the tall, tall poppy is is that who, who cares? The, the successful people don't care. They really don't. Cut people. The, the successful people couldn't care less about how they're perceived to be cut down to size. Mm. It, it, actually, in New Zealand, it just it makes them strive for for to, for to a higher to a higher level. You're going to cut me down there. Well, try and cut me down here. Yeah. You know, and and and, and bless you for mentioning the rich list, which is out on the 26th of July. Yeah. <laughs> um, None of us will be on it. But. Um, <laughs> 
But what, what I'd say about it, and, and you know, well, here's, the, the proof will be in the pudding, um, but, but we're taking a slightly different approach uh, to this year's Rich List, and we're actually embracing other media and saying, okay, listen, okay, I know it's the NBR that did this, did, did this study, did this research, but let's just park that up. Let's collectively get together and recognise these people. And, you know, what we've done to ensure that there's not too much top, uh, tall, tall poppy is we charge $10 a magazine. Because the people that are going to cut it down to size are never going to pull out 10 bucks mm. to pay for it. That's what inspires me about yeah. our rich list. And I'm not banging on about that. It's, it's, yeah. it's celebrating success. Mm. People read the rich mm. list because they want to know how was it that that person created so much more wealth this yeah. time round. Yeah. yeah. As, I mean, as you know, Hamish, we do it in sport, right? Oh, we, yeah, and we, we love we it, it sport, um, yeah. and we love when we win, and we're quite brutal when we don't. Um, and you sort of wonder why that absolute competitiveness in our in our social fabric yeah. doesn't transition to business. It should. Yeah. Mm. Um, while we're on this point, is there any questions from the audience who are here with us today? Uh, down the back. Um, sorry, I did have a check with Raymond. Raymond. Yep. We had the privilege of using your coming in the last six months to move our office and our house separately. And um, the interface between your company and us as people who are moving stuff is the boys' maintenance folks who move your stuff. Mm. They were absolutely outstanding from phoning us an hour before they came. Thank you. Picking up That's our great. stuff, being careful, uh, taking all this, uh, unpacking it, looking after our children. And then taking the rubbish away at the end. Are we recording this, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we are. And then coming back uh, a week later and collecting the rest of the boxes that we've Please don't say there's a but. Undereducated Pacific Island men. Yep. How do you transfer that, your values, in the end, what they do, the interface? How, so, We've got a recommendation to use you, and the people who use them were recommended as well. But we don't see you. We'll never see you. We just pay you the bill. You yeah. can buy your batch and your BMW, which is great. <laughs> but they do a wonderful job. How is it that you've trained them? Because you normally expect a mover to be rough, burly, mm. uh, to mm. damage your furniture, to be late, mm. to be grimy, mm. not to wear a uniform and to be unclean. So how have you... You've moved too much. You've moved a lot. This, um, we put a huge amount of effort into culture. And and I suppose early on in the piece when I started this business, we wanted a business that was different. And we did a lot of talking the talk. But to be honest, we didn't walk the walk always until I realized what and visualized what walking the walk was. And so, and it probably came around to me when I did an ice house course. I've been self-employed since I was 21 and I probably got a bit stale and I forgot to look outside the square a bit enough. And did an, I did an ice house um, owner-managers course two and a half years ago and it really made me aware of what I needed to focus on and culture whilst we'd have been developing it and had been bubbling away we hadn't been developing that correctly for us culture is it everything so we've turned our business structure completely upside down I have got the smallest box down the bottom of the chart our biggest boxes are for our people our frontline people our frontline people generate success what you've done they generate a success every day and then that success turns around to be our sustainability going forward so those values that I talked about earlier um, 
you're absolutely right. We, we super struggle to find the right people that want to buy into these values and get them. And it's, in our industry, it's right. But it's also an industry issue because our industry just do not respect them. They want those people to stay in their station so they can have a cheap employment source. Our, our um, view is completely opposite. Let's grow them, develop them, and they'll be good for us and we'll have experiences like you have there. So, so Raymond, yeah. could you give us an example of how you would, um, wh- how would you actually build that level of engagement with, with someone on the front line like that? Well, it can't happen overnight. It's, it, culture, culture happens for a long time. I think even <coughs> Main Freight, they've, had, they've struggled mm. in, in Europe because they've got a fantastic culture here in New Zealand which they've developed over decades. They can't just pick that up and throw that into Europe. It's going to take them seven years probably to get that culture going properly in Europe. And we've been doing it. It's been, like I said, it's been bubbling away for a while. We were, we were almost there, but we really weren't um, walking the walk enough. And so we identified really what we needed to do. So we talk around those values a lot. The values are in our everyday conversation. We, um, we measure positives against our values, so we congratulate people with our values. And if someone isn't performing um, entirely right or have done some negatives, we take it back to our values again and talk about our values, how it relates to our values. And we give them trust. We, they, they, they learn to trust us because in our environment and transport, there hasn't always been a lot of that amongst employers. So... We, and it takes a while for, for them to gain that trust with us. So all of those things, and believing in them. Yeah. I think it's a theme that's come out right across the four conversations is the sort of example you set or the, what you demonstrate and the wonderful proverb that Sachi had around that. Um, because it, there's a line I've used a lot with my team, which is leadership is the culture of an organisation the sum of the conversations of the senior leaders. So whatever senior people in any organisation say or do tends to become the, the culture. So the way I react to a customer complaint or to a small issue sets the culture for the organisation. So if I'm dismissive or not interested or consider myself above it or something like that, that becomes the culture. Yeah. As to your point of that box of frontline up top, um, you know, the point Todd made around um, you, know, you, you handle customer complaints yourself directly. And all, of, all of those sort of things, I think you've got to set examples on the way through so that people go, oh, well, that's what I see there, then that must be what's mm. good around here. So what happens if, um, if you've got a team member who is achieving, um, achieving the results and surpassing the expectation of the business but is doing it in a very disruptive way? You talk to them about it. If it doesn't sit within the values, they have to come in line. Otherwise, the other people are just going to get really annoyed with you as a leader for not picking them picking them out for, for not being a team player. And, and you'll find, particularly in a sales environment, that, that some of those people are actually your better performers, but you can better perform without them. And just, Chris, I've actually got a saying for you. You can have this one if you like. Your actions speak so loud I cannot hear what you say. And, and that's... Yeah. It, it, it's about that. It's about... It's about being true to your word and, and people just being able to to look. Yeah. You're, you're a leader. Yeah. You shouldn't have to look behind you to see that people are following. Sachi, how, do you, um, how are you able to bring um, the two cultures together through cooking that lives that, that, in that space of brings engagement and passion and authenticity through your business? Through my business? Well... I guess that I always have a passion and then I just make sure that I um, train my staff to carry the same passion and the standards. And then everybody's um, in my organisation is an immigrant and thanks to New Zealand and we appreciate what New Zealand people did to us. 
and for us it's just giving things back to New Zealand and um, yeah it's Sorry, I forgot the question that you asked me. Okay, another one. You answered it really nicely. Well done. Yeah, you did okay, really nice. That right there, yeah. Yeah. How do you um, then? How, can you give me an example of how you might build um, the passion inside someone that might not have it when they join your business? Hmm, interesting. Because when we do an interview, hmm, when we do an interview, the first thing is that we ask them what their values are. If their values are not aligned with our values, they're not, in, they're not coming into our team. Mm. So as long as their values are the same, then I can train them. And then just, all about is just sharing the time with them and sharing our goals, inspiring them. And then they will carry our culture and values yeah. in them. It's actually, it's a really interesting point because I think traditionally talent or teams have been formed off the back of functional knowledge, you know, so are you the best chef or the best mover or the best journalist or whatever and we've done quite a lot of work around actually the best performing teams come from mixing all of the capabilities the, the psychological styles if you like of the team, so rather than have one engineer, one salesperson, one project manager, you might have people who have enough functional capability to do the job but better fit together as a team because yeah. any project as a leader, you still see projects where you go, that went amazing, that, that piece of work or that project or that sale or whatever, that went amazing. And you go, why? And you say, oh, that team worked together so well. Mm. No one ever says because each one of those people was the expert in their field. Mm. Yeah. You're always here because that team worked together so well. So there's something that's just true in that. Yeah. If leaders can assemble teams and motivate and lead teams to deliver fantastically as a team it's amazing how much difference it makes to the outcome oh sorry I was just um, because there's a little bit of a sporting analogy coming out of there and and just prior to sort of coming up on the couch we talked about um, Robbie Deans and and for, for a start, this is not tall poppy stuff. I'm personally quite interested in in how somebody was such a successful leader and coach uh, in, in in Canterbury, who clearly went with some you know with some you know with some great experience and, and skills and whatever to Australia. Chris, we were talking about what, what do you think it was that turned that to custard? Because it's not like he went in there and didn't try as as hard as what he did with the Crusaders mm. what would you put <coughs> that down to you could just say Australians aren't that good at rugby but um, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know I'm not yeah. very close but you sort of look at it and go the key difference must be he did not have the same support of stakeholders as he did in, in Canterbury mm. you know in Canterbury they named the stand after him like, he could do very little wrong ever and he would have managed his stakeholders brilliantly like, they loved him we were joking before saying, could he have dropped Richie McCaw and got away with it? And the answer is probably. Mm. Um, but, you know, in Australia, you arrive and immediately the already listening was up, right? The, the, the sort of set-up Australian rugby crowd would have been wide earth if we've got a Kiwi running our national team. So you've already got that barrier to climb over and then you get a couple of the team offside and suddenly you know, one of the key leadership roles is, is managing your network, your stakeholder group, to make sure all the resources and support is there for the organisation to succeed. And I suspect that just deteriorated over time to the point that, you know, when you see it on TV where they're nasty enough to say five months ago we tried to make this happen, you sort of go, wow, that's been tough work yeah. for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, you you know, one of the leadership, and I think you mentioned it, Roman, is that external view. You've got to have a constant external view. 
for and your organisation because a lot of your people will be busy doing what they do. And managing your resources and again, you know, we've, we've talked that you don't actually have to have the very best, although my people, if they're watching, I do have the very best. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but but it's about people playing well in positions and, and yeah. together and as a team and, and managing those resources. Okay. But I saw there's also been comments around him not um, making the tough decisions. When there's been people out of line, he hasn't made those tough calls mm. and said, oh, you're out of line. You know, yeah. this, is, this is our team culture. You're not allowed to do that. And there's been some comments around of him, him not making those hard calls. And that's, as a leader, that's, that's one of the hardest parts mm. of the job. Because you can't be everyone's friend all the time. Sometimes you have to yeah. make the hard call and it sucks. But it's mm. for everyone's benefit, you've got to do them. Why so, I've sort of thought about and it's because maybe maybe he fell into this trap a little bit of trying to be liked and as a leader that's not very easy it's better to be respected uh, because when teams see you not act on something that you should act on so whether it be a business thing or a person's performance or a, a terrorist culturally in the organisation or whatever if you don't act on it you start to lose the respect of the team and that's when you're in real trouble you can still be liked you can be a great person and someone they'd love to have a drink with and all that stuff but being respected so much more important mm. Are there any qu- so um we're just capturing some questions online, but Amy. My question is around your resilience. We all know that leadership is a high-energy job and draining emotionally and in other ways. And I just wondered, um, what are your personal um, uh, ways that you replenish yourselves and re-nourish yourselves and get your own inspiration um, and make sure you don't go home and yell at the kids? Running. Get up at 4.30 in the morning three days a week, run 21 k's. Mm you're all of a sudden in a really mellow state. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife prescribes ironing. It works for me, apparently. Oh, really? No. I'm going to my husband that. Yeah. But, but a happy wife is a happy life. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I think it's important to take breaks. Uh, I could easily work 24-7 if it wasn't for my significant other. My wife's saying, right, we're on our way home from this holiday. Put into your diary that holiday. And... Some of my best work comes from holidays mm. when I'm away. Because they're not holidays, they're just, they're just change out times. Exactly, and, and someone, someone, there's a famous saying by someone about that's the time when you're sharpening your tools, you're out there, you're thinking, you're away from the everyday, everyday pressures, you can, um, it's just really important, you get to look from a different perspective with a bit of relax going on and, and the odd wine and maybe an afternoon schluffy or something like that. I was going to say drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You can't lead if you're not sorted out as a person. Like, mm. you know, if your head's not good, then it'll show up. Most most good leaders are pretty authentic, and you can see through them. And so, what your state of mind is about something will show up pretty quickly. I think there's heaps of stuff that says, look, looking after yourself physically is important. Of course, you've got to be fit to lead, um, and it, and you don't have to run 21 k's three days a week. Um, Ten is fine. Um, <laughs> But, but Chris, um, can I just ask something specifically on yeah. that? If you've got, um, you've talked a lot about how your leadership is guided by the behaviours, you've talked about being connected, um, the clarity and the, um, uh, the propensity to act. Um, how do you make a tough call if it goes against um, your, authentic, your authentic. authentic kind of self versus trying to marry the the right thing to do for the business what if what if there's a conflict there or is there ever a conflict there look if there is if there's too much of a conflict there then you're in the wrong place like I I don't see many 
I don't see that you can be a leader and be in conflict with your authentic belief. Like, so you've sort of got to believe yourself. in what you're doing to yeah. lead. Right. And I think, I, I suspect you see in any leader, they have a passion for what they're doing because yeah. they believe in it. Um, so, you know, it's hard to represent a company you don't believe in or represent a sport or an organisation or have a passion for yeah. what you do. You can't, I suspect anyone who's acting that, yeah. You know, it gets very tired very quickly because your resilience is really low because you don't believe in it. You don't um, be checking every, yourself yeah. every time. Yeah. You'd, you'd find yourself sounding mealy-mouthed, you know, yeah. just average. Yeah. Uh, I think, but I, I think, think that resilience thing, it's a great question. It's sort of... Because um, leadership can get a little bit lonely. Like, in the end, they look at you and go, make the call, boss. You know, and sometimes that's really hard. And sometimes the person that gets it from, you know, particularly, say... I mean, it's been in the media. We have reduced the number of people in the telecom business quite significantly in the last two months. That has been over a thousand very tough conversations. And, you know, even though I'm not personally in front of many of those, I'm trying to have spoken to as many of them as I can because you don't want to be vacant. You know, you've got to be in that conversation. My, my dad had a rule. He said, never have to cross the road. You know, and in New Zealand, that's really important. You see people again and again and again. So how those interactions end up are really important. So I never feel like you're the one who has to cross the road. Um, another question is from our online audience, and this one's for Sachi. It's quite a tricky one. Um, and yeah. this is from Vicky Gray. Um, do you think there are, or what do you think the differences are in um, the Kiwi and Japanese culture around leadership? Hmm. Can I speak in Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, uh, lucky enough to see, I've been here for, I've grown up in Japan for 18 years. I've been here for 16 years, almost a half and a half. So I get to see a lot of good and a bad in, in both countries. And the one thing that stands up in, in, in a different leadership or how we do the business differently over there in Asia is we, t- it, we tend to take more time to build a relationship before we shake and close the deal. Mm. And then a lot of leaders do over there in Asia. So for example, <coughs> in, in here it could be have a meeting, catch up over coffee, and next day let's do sign on paper, done, dust it, move on. In Asia, sometimes it can take a year and a two years, and people prepare for that. Yeah, year and a two years just to create the relationship, mm. build a relationship, knowing the person, who they are, what their family does, and what they like. And then if I can trust the person, then we close the deal and then shake the hands. They don't sign on a contract. They just shake the hands. That is the only time that we can physically touch people. So we don't do a hug. We don't do a kiss on the cheek. We don't do why that. Do it's you, really interesting. And why do you think it takes that long? We just like to find out the people's um, values and what they do. Yeah. Um, we don't like to be rushed and we certainly don't rush we think not only a couple of years we think generations after generations and then once you shake the hands and then that promise carries generations it's solid foundations isn't it it is is, it is and that builds up so a lot of uh, companies over there are i was lucky enough to go back to japan for tv show and then there's so many people that i met is 15th generation which is 500 years old company to 700 years old company it's just you know, it's the foundations are so solid because of the relationship are so strong, and then that they just build up on top of that. Yeah. Is, that is that changing as we're coming into a more modern age? Is, is that still as strong? It is strong. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of like an Asian pride. Mm-hmm. We have that, 
and we just need to young people uh, we have like you know young people fla- you know drive the flash cars and spend the money that people may have that kind of concept but a lot of business people they are quite humble a lot of leaders are quite humble and you never pick like say my husband and a mentor they just wear the you know the jumpers and a puffer jacket just walk around people tend to misjudge them by just looking at them because they're not simply wearing a suit Mm. But we quite enjoy the companies first and say, let's have a drink and then let's have a chat what you'd yeah. like to do in the social life over coffee or over beer or wine mm. Mm. and then just build a relationship. So, um, a, a pause. Uh, anyone from the audience have a question? We had two so far. Great questions. How, how about yes. Your name, Mitch? What are your leadership pointers? What are mine? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, I um, before I joined the Peter Black Trust, I, learned, I worked at Lion, and um, Lion has a very strong culture of engagement. And um, uh, at Lion, you get measured across not only uh, what you do, but how you go about it. So, to Chris's point, very much a behavioural-led organisation, and um, it certainly um, yeah was a was a key part of uh, developing leadership. In a, in a large organisation there. Yeah. Hey, hey Mish, um, I, I know that you can actually really very well articulate the, 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 the question you asked us at the beginning because I asked you, in, in your mind's eye, what, what, is, what is leadership? Um, I've, um, I guess, working with the Trust, have um, spoken with a number of the Blake leaders, um, yourself being one of them, and Chris... Um, and sort of delved into what leadership really is. I think, um, for me, it really comes back to an authenticity. Um, it comes back to um, knowing yourself so that you can be authentic and in a situation people can trust you to be consistent. Um, also having the ability that even under pressure you have the presence of mind to listen, to stop and listen. Um, and um, also being aware that it's, um, there's probably an equal, op- um, equal importance around not only um, what you're trying to achieve but how you go about it. Because I think you can, as an athlete, I know that when you're very focused on achieving a result, you definitely can bulldoze people around you very quickly. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start to do that, you lose the team aspect which you, which you need and rely on for your resilience and for... Um, uh, for the patches where you really struggle and you, where your weaknesses might become um, come to the surface so yeah, for me the challenge of being that athlete and now working with a number of people has been, that's always a challenge for me I've always got to watch out for it. You've got to be present yeah, you've absolutely. got to be absolutely present and very mindful. Mm. Yeah. I think one of these two or three people have mentioned it now is all leaders have weaknesses you know, like the, the, to be leader you don't have to be the perfect 360 degree collection of capabilities um, and I think vulnerability is really important as a leader being able to say you know what I'm wrong mm. or I've been proven wrong or it's okay that I'm wrong or if you're sitting there watching me do something stupid you should say so um, mm. and I think that's one thing I've read about in Asian business culture is the hierarchy sometimes gets in the way of that it's offensive to tell a senior person they're wrong that can lead to some quite you know, troublesome outcomes um, and it's been written about a lot in flight crews and stuff like that um, and that uh, one of the things I learnt, uh, and it was quite a surprise, and I probably only picked it up eight or ten years ago, sort of 
development, we've always thought about, right, what are my strengths? They're done, they're good. Now, what are my weaknesses? Let's work on those. And I think that's quite wrong now. I'd almost go, forget your weaknesses. They're always going to be, don't worry about it. Maximise those strengths. Yeah. So you were not in the sport for your ability to proper scrum. No. Right? And nor did you worry about working on that weakness. You no. just focused on your strengths and, yeah. and achieved at the highest levels. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the, the to be outstanding, develop your strengths. Yeah. And, and accept weaknesses, have someone else look after them if they need yeah. to. But I think that's because as leaders, you get lots of people coming to you and saying, you know, I'd, I'd like to develop my career and be something bigger, better, stronger. And they often want to talk about how to handle their weaknesses. Sometimes you shouldn't. I've persecuted myself for a long time for. Um, my leadership style not having not being like that leader and not yeah. being like that leader and, and it really bugged me and it um, got me into a bit of a hole to be honest and until I realised that that's okay what I need to be is aware of those weaknesses and aware of the strengths of other people um, we just started rocketing yeah. on it was perfect mm. is there um, great, sort of great example Steve Jobs yeah mm. I, I, I can't think of a better example I mean that guy is just unbelievable but I'd hate to have worked for him but I would have loved to have worked for him mm. yeah mm. can you think so to that point Todd is there someone that you've admired as a leader and tried to role model yourself off well, I've just been, I've been incredibly fortunate to, to have have had had many mentors. Um, obviously, the privilege for the last sort of uh, five years to, to to be an apprentice under Barry Coleman as a publisher. So, um, and uh, but but the other thing I was going to say <coughs> is, um, yeah, I, I'm a big believer that you spend you 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 meet and spend time with people that you need to meet and spend time with at that particular point in your life. I'm also a big believer that the same can be said about books. When somebody says to me, I read a great book, I, I, I genuinely believe that then I need to go out and buy that book and I've always had that philosophy and the amazing thing is, is it's been incredibly helpful because just like the people that you meet and spend time with, when somebody recommends a book, there's a reason for that. They're not, they're not sort of being underhand or anything like that. Uh, I, I was actually quite keen to ask how you know how many books are read on the on the couch. I mean, as uh, uh, young people today, do they read as much as they should? Because I've got a library at home, and I never give out books. I, I'll go and buy you one, but I won't give you mine because I, I know I need to go back and read them. Do you, do you read much, Chris? Have you read uh, much? Look, I, I reckon I'd read two or three a year now. Um, but did you use? Most, did, did you sort of gorge a whole lot of books? Yeah, yeah I think you things? go through times where you do more of that. Mm. Uh, and you definitely go back and reread. Yeah. You definitely, you know, there is stuff that you'll just look at the shelf and go, actually, I did yeah. really get a lot out of that. I'm going to do a reread of yeah. that one. Uh, it tends to unfortunately be your holiday time that you read it. You just, mm. you know, but um, but in some ways, that's when you're much more open to what it's mm. what it's maybe got for you. But I think that point about you take something from all sorts of different people is, mm. you know, and you made the observation, Raymond. It's sort of. Um, I think trying to make yourself someone else's role. Mm. You know, someone else is a collection of strengths and weaknesses that you will never be. What you can do is get inspired. Mm. Yeah, okay. Think. So we've got about um, seven minutes to go. And before I ask the panel to, I'm going to ask you each to sum up um, inside a minute, um, uh, I guess a summary of what you think the future of leadership needs to look like. Um, are there any other questions from the audience? Yeah, it's down the back. Amy. And just before you sum up what you think the future of um, leadership looks like, what would you say are the main challenges facing New Zealand business leaders today that would be 
So the question was, what are the main challenges New Zealand business leaders are facing today? Yep. I think every leader will say staff. That always comes up in conversation. Yeah. So it's about um, so, you, but you have to. You can't sit there and cry and you and, and you spilt milk. You have to get out there and make good of what you've got, and um, and developing the stuff that you've got now, and retaining them, or because the work environment is such a fluid one, people can jump ship any time. So you have to make your work environment really strong so they want to stay there, so you're teaching them. Mm-hmm. And even if you are teaching them and you, and you put a lot of effort and training into them and they're the best staff member you've got and after three years you, they leave, at least you've had a really good staff member for three years, not a, not a bad one, yeah. you know? Look, I just totally agree with that and to, I won't repeat it because it's perfect, you're right. Um, I think um, global context, just, you know, we, we're not a global business, we're a domestic business, yet I've learnt the most, the most development for me as a leader in this business was two weeks in Europe visiting nine telcos and learning what they do. Because you just get out of the, the mud you're in here and you get their view on the world. And I think, you know, New Zealand needs to stop pretending we have a domestic economy, we don't. We live in a world and we're just a part of it. I think people like Watsachi's doing, taking her business to Japan, which is, you know, Asian cooking from New Zealand to Japan, sounds uh, incredibly brave and courageous and we need a thousand more companies to do that. Um, And I think just if every business here thought about how could I be internationally competent, not just locally winning, that would make a magnificent difference to New Zealand and our, our prospects and our chance of hope for our, you know, for, for kids growing up here. So I think every leader should have global context in the business they run. They should know what the best in the world looks like and where they sit. Mm. I think that it's, for me, is that the world, world is moving really, really fast. And then the one thing that I've noticed when I went to Asia, I just came back from Asia after two weeks of the holiday. And... Um, uh, we went to a fine dining restaurant in Asia and what I found on the menu was uh, beef from Australian premium beef with Australian wines and blah blah blah. One thing that I found is that in, in, in New Zealand we have amazing produce and amazing food, amazing drinks and you know wines. One thing that I feel it's missing is we are not working as collective. It's, it's a lot what the Australian people do good what I find was that they work as a collective like a, like a pack <coughs> as a group of like okay this I sell wine I sell beef I sell lamb and then uh, work as a team as a country and then move forward to the different countries so that's the part they got I think that that's something it's missing mm, collaboration collaboration yeah that's the, that's the word our industry is really poor at not collaborating and working for the industry there's mm. just too many people worried about their own backyard than the, than the greater good of everyone it's, it's an I issue I guess that's the aspect of trust which you've all talked about mm. in cave so um, what we will do is um, I'll just now ask the, each of them to, to sum up what their thoughts are um, before we close the session off um, are there any, any final questions before we do that nope ok so Todd would you like to start well, I, I suppose it, it's just about being authentic. It's about doing the right thing for the right reasons, um, being sure of your motivations, um, and and desiring <coughs> desiring to make a difference. Uh, um, 
Look, I'm, I'm unashamedly a salesman, but after a four-and-a-half-year apprenticeship under Barry as a publisher, I've now got this burning desire to allow... Um, to, to, to allow and to manage the resources in our organisation so that our people can shine and they can better inform New Zealand. Uh, it's, it's, it's about having conviction about the difference that you make uh, and communicating that. You, you won't always get it right, but, but you won't be judged either as long as you're accountable and you're doing what you're doing with purpose. Nice one. Sachi? For me, it's... Uh... Can you come back to me? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That'll be meaning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't come back to you as well. <laughs> um, business, New Zealand is, is definitely being a, a, um, a part of the world faster and faster with ultra-fast broadband and all those things. We are, we, things are moving so much faster. And I think it's very much a modern leadership and the future of leadership is about being really aware of what might happen and what could happen not just, and being aware of what's going on now, but really looking into the future a bit more than you had to before, and um, but still retaining and using that around where your where your values are. I keep coming back to values, but for me, it's really strong. Where your values can take your business, and but what that what your business could be looking like in five years' time. Okay, Chris. Uh, look, I think. Um it's still about connection and clarity and action. They are still key leadership traits. Um, I think um, confidence and context are really, really important for New Zealand leaders for the future. Um, there's a great little picture that I keep remembering in my mind about a, someone told me a story a long, long time ago about a forestry gang manager controlled productivity, so made sure the gang cut down more trees every day, tidied up, hauled logs away and did all that stuff. Leader was the guy who climbed the tree, looked around and said, we're in the wrong forest. <laughs> um, and that's the difference. Um, so, so leadership has to be the ones that say global context, bigger thinking, you know, are we even in the right game anymore, all those sort of things, mm. uh, and has to inspire the people in the organisation to be three times as big as they could be. Awesome. Sachi, you have our last word. I do. Well, for me, I think the leadership is... Um, I think that everybody can be a leader and then they can, can take a leadership if you choose to do so as, as a leader for me is I just need to see what's potential in the person and then nourish them and then give them a good environment environment is uh, important for me as well you know the one third of your life you, you sleep in the bed and one third of your life you're socialising and one third of your life you tend to spend the time with your colleagues and staff members and for me my philosophy is that if you're going to spend one third of your life with, um, with your colleague and staff members, why not creating a great environment, positive environment that people can actually have energy and you know, passions and have fun with, with other staff members? As, as a leader, it's important to create that kind of environment. Yep. It's, yeah, that's the key. Outstanding. Um, look hey, sorry, the sushi, oh. I didn't make that sushi. No? <laughs> today. no. Just okay. to let you know, I didn't make that sushi. <laughs> Oh, Look, um, it's not good. <laughs> no, mm, I didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> so um, finally, I'd just like to thank um, everyone coming today, um, certainly to Telecom, the Ice House, and the Sir Peter Blake Trust for making this event possible. Um, please join me in thanking our panel, um, Todd, Sachi, Raymond, and Chris.
Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us here on the first episode of the New Zealand Business Podcast. Now, of course, you can join us on our uh, other episodes as they launch very soon and on our other podcasts such as the New Zealand Tech Podcast, the number one uh, locally produced dedicated podcast in New Zealand, and our uh, New Zealand Digital Podcast. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at NZ underscore business. We're on facebook.com slash NZ business podcast. And we're at nzbusinesspodcast.com. So we hope you'll catch, uh, hope to catch you on one of those places. Thanks for listening. See ya.